You're listening to a bonus episode of The Close-Up, the Film Society of Lincoln Center's weekly podcast series. This is Eugene Hernandez, Deputy Director at the Film Society. For this episode, we're featuring highlights from the star-studded evening celebrating the career of Robert Redford, who was the 42nd recipient of our annual Chaplin Award, the Film Society's annual gala fundraiser. To kick things off, we'll hear from Jane Fonda. She was the 2001 recipient of the Chaplin Award and co-starred with Redford in three films, The Chase, Barefoot in the Park, and The Electric Horseman. Oh, I have the fascinating challenge of summarizing a 50-year relationship in five minutes or less. It was 1966 when Bob Redford and I first worked in The Chase, one of the three films we did together. We didn't have a lot of on-screen time together in that one, but the second film, a year later, Barefoot in the Park. Yes, well, that's the one where Bob and I became real friends, and it didn't take me long to realize we had a lot in common me and Bob. We'd each gone to France to study painting. Well, I I went to get away from home. But he went to actually study. And he later told me that it was his study of painting that taught him how to frame and and create composition that later informed his, his directing. Another thing we had in common, we were both on Broadway in 1963. I was in The Strange Interlude, Eugene O'Neill's, and he originated the role of Paul in Barefoot in the Park. Then there was a conversation that I I vividly remember while we were making the movie version of, of Barefoot. I told him about a farmhouse that I had just bought outside of Paris and the fun I was having going into the woods and selecting lichen covered rocks for the walls Turns out, Bob had just purchased a small piece of land in Utah, I think it was about 600 acres, where he he was building a simple A-frame home and was also getting a kick out of finding rocks for it. I mean, what other guy in Hollywood could I get off on talking rocks with? (laughs) Which is not the same as getting our rocks off. Yeah, I... It was a cheap joke, right? I mean, I I could have said we both believed that the key to a great house was getting stoned, but anyway. (laughs) I noticed early on Bob's discomfort with stardom and the trappings that went with it. I remember walking through the administration building at Paramount Studios before we started shooting Barefoot, and the secretaries would come bounding out of their offices when they realized he was walking by just to watch him coming and going, and I thought to myself... Boy, he's in for it. And I remember when we made the electric horseman in in Las Vegas, and we spent months in Caesar's Palace, and one night I saw a woman in the casino actually throw herself at him and faint at his feet in a paroxysm of passion. And I'll never forget the look on his face. It was a look of utter horror. I mean, he just wanted to disappear. Now, most men probably would enjoy that type of frenzied adulation, but Bob just hated it. He just wanted to disappear. It was always about the work for Bob. That's what I loved about him and still love about him. And Just doing the work and then getting away from it all. And of course I watched, as we all did, as that little piece of land he bought in Utah uh, with the A-frame and the rocks as it grew into something historic. 
nothing less than a game changer for the world of film. And uh, there's some irony in that, you know, being the complicated visionary that he is. He managed to turn the private getaway where he could spend time alone into the very public Sundance Institute where fledgling writers and directors can flesh out their movies and plays and bring them to a life in a protected and encouraging environment under the guidance of seasoned professionals. Looking at his work, past and present, I don't think there's any other actor who has had a bigger influence and impact on American cinema than Bob Redford. And as we all know, he's not just an actor, not just someone who started an institute and a film festival. He's also a totally fascinating director. You know, he, he and I over the years talked enough about our families and our pasts, so it didn't totally surprise me that his astonishing first film, Ordinary People, so brilliantly captured the palette of repressed family dysfunction. And I figured, okay, I, I can see the sort of style he'll be working in. You know, every director has their own style. But then, along came Milagro Beanfield Wars. I mean, the lyric, the, the, the mysticalness, the magic of it, and I thought, where in that black Irish soul of his did he find that perfume? <laughs> but it's just indicative of the, the variety of things that Bob does so brilliantly. So that, that's my thumbnail sketch of the man that the Chaplin Award honors tonight. Bob is a man who is always creating, sometimes someone who always is on the move, and as we know, the Sundance Kid is best when he's moving. So, love you, Bob. Thank you very much. The next excerpt comes from writer-director J.C. Chandor, whose 2013 film, All Is Lost, starred Redford as a man lost at sea. The first time I uh, met Robert Redford, um, I walked into his office, and um, it was just the two of us. I was hoping there would be some other people there, but there weren't. And um, I had offered him a part in, in All Is Lost, uh, my film. In fact, it was the only part in, in All Is Lost. And um, much to my amazement, uh, about a week later, um, he asked to meet me. So I flew across the country, and obviously I was um, pretty nervous sitting there, just staring at the Sundance Kids, <laughs> and um, I just started talking, which I have a likelihood to do. And so I just went into how I was going to, to make this movie, and um, I went through as many details as I, as I possibly could. Um, and then about four or five minutes in, um, I was still talking, and finally, um, Robert, the, the, the Sundance Kid, held up, held up his hands um, to stop me. And um, he said, you know, Jesus, for a, a guy who wrote a 31-page script with no words in it, you sure can talk a lot. Um, so uh, I was reeling a little bit um, and trying to figure where to go from there. And then he, he looked right at me and... Um, and he said, you know, look, you, you, you don't have to sell me on, on this one. Um, I'm in. And um, I sort of looked around the room, and I wanted to make sure that I had heard him right. And, you know, we'd only been there 
for five minutes, um, but there, there seemed to be this, this sort of trust, an, an almost uncomfortable, complete trust. One year later, on the eve of his 76th birthday, um, Mr. Redford walked onto our set in, in Baja Studios in, in Mexico, and he arrived with um, no entourage, no fanfare, and he was ready to the, spend the next couple months um, getting the physical and emotional crap beat out of him by us. Um, he had shot his first movie uh, before, I think, everyone on our, our crew was even born. And he was there, though, to give himself to us completely. He taught me many things over the months we spent staring at each other uh, in that raft every day. Um, how to make a career in this business while trying to remain a devoted and responsible father and husband. How to balance and protect what it is that's meaningful in your work. And most importantly, how to handle several shots of tequila while on large doses of uh, Mexican antibiotics, which he was on at the time. <laughs> Ear infection. Um, but in the end, what sticks out for me from that summer is really a question, which is why would someone who has accomplished as much as he has continue to take such creative and physical and emotional risks? Why did he trust us the way that he did? Almost two years to the day after we first met, I found myself finally sitting next to Robert Redford inside a darkened movie theater. Bob had decided to wait for the world premiere of our movie at the Cannes Film Festival to see the film for the first time. And as we sat through the introductions and we were surrounded by our loved ones, I looked over at him and I realized that he was probably more nervous than I was. About halfway through the film, a scene came up that involved him doing a particularly dangerous stunt that he had demanded that he had to do himself. And in the take that we ended up using in the movie, he indeed did that stunt. So as the images came across the screen and I saw them up there, I, I reached out and um, gave his, his knee a, a, a little squeeze and for a middle-class kid from New Jersey standing at Lincoln Center saying you squeezed Robert Redford's knee is a little weird, just, you know, as it is. But I looked up at him and he knew exactly what I was signaling, that, that indeed that, that risk, that jumping that he had done was worth it, that it had made the movie, it had made the cut. And then we both kind of looked at each other and looked around this room and there were almost 2,000 people in that room that night and we kind of looked at each other and looked around, and every one of them was leaning forward in their seats, and I mean way forward in their seats. And he, he looked back at me and, and gave me this sort of supportive, amazing, small, beautiful smile. And the film was not even close to over. We didn't know if the audience in the end was going to love it or hate it, but at that moment, we had them, we, we had them totally engaged and they were with us. And I realized that that, that that smile on his face, that was actually the goal, to, to take the risks and to take the uncharted road, to never forget what the original spirit, the spirit of the original endeavor, what that was, 
Those are the things that make a meaningful life. Bob, I, um, I thank you for believing in, in me personally and for teaching us that, that great things do not come from, from taking the well-worn path. All of your family who, who are here tonight and the great performances that we've seen and the great performances that you've directed and the thousands of filmmakers around the world that you have inspired and lifted up through Sundance, all those things exist because you never gave in. And you still haven't. The next speaker is Barbara Streisand. She was the recipient of the Chaplin Award in 2013, and after offering heartfelt praise for the actor-director, Streisand finally welcomed Robert Redford himself to the stage to accept the 2015 Chaplin Award at Alice Tully Hall here at Lincoln Center. Bob and I may have been very different, but deep down we're very much alike, you know, in the ways that really matter. We're both upset at what is happening to the environment. We're both liberals who have campaigned for Democrats who share our values. We both cherish our privacy and the truth, the truth. And the truth is what I saw in that first film he directed, Ordinary People. It was so well observed, so sensitive, so many great performances. Uh, it was an amazing feat. And what's equally amazing is Robert Redford, the visionary. Bob has always believed that the freedom of artistic expression is something to be nurtured and encouraged and kept alive. While others talked about that concept, and as many people have said tonight, in 1981, Bob took action, actually, and created the Sundance Institute designed to cultivate new voices and create a haven for independent filmmakers who couldn't find a welcome mat at the major studios. That's an incredible accomplishment. Bob is that rare combination, uh, an intellectual cowboy, a charismatic star who is also one of the finest actors of our generation, a, a talented working both sides of the lens, an artist with a passion for telling stories that inspire us. There's a line in The Way We Were uh, that defines the difference between the two main characters. It's where Katie says to Hubble, people are their principles. Hubble Gardner may not have believed it, but Robert Redford has lived every day of his life by that creed. So tonight, some 40 years after we first met on that uh, soundstage, I'd like to say, and I don't know <laughs> exactly where you're sitting, but dear Bob, it was such fun being married to you for a while. <laughs> Too bad it didn't work out. But we made something that will last much longer than many real marriages. And I'm so proud of the work we did together. I was thrilled to be your leading lady then, and I'm honored to present this award to you now. So please welcome the recipient 
of the Film Society of Lincoln Center 2015 Chaplin Award, Robert Redford. Oh, you were leaving? You know, Clinton stand to, stood here for me. Oh, okay. Well, I guess the first thing that uh, comes to my mind, uh, the first mistake I made um, <clears throat> was when they asked me if I wanted a teleprompter, I said, no, no, I don't. I don't. That was a mistake. Um, forgive me, but it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take me a minute to, to come down from this kind of helium elevation I've been put into and, and come back down to earth to speak to you tonight. Um, so forgive me if I stumble a bit. Um, somebody said earlier on in the evening that uh, I was a great director and a great actor. I would imagine for the actors that are in the audience tonight and the directors, um, that was pretty tough to take. Uh, but I'll take it. <laughs> uh, so the first thing I'd like to do is I'd like to acknowledge um, and thank, profoundly thank, the presenters tonight who, who are my colleagues, but also colleagues that I've had the pleasure to work with and to my extended family, um, who've tolerated me for so long, um, and for the Film Society of Lincoln Center, which in a city full of artistic display represents a real core of quality. This honor um, tonight leaves me uh, grateful, humbled, and, and a bit shy. I'm not, I've never been one to, to look back, but uh, sitting here tonight and confronting the history that has been presented, I can't help but reflect on the journey that, that brought me here. I was, born, I was born at the end of the rainbow, so to speak. Um, Los Angeles was a place that so many yearned to get to, um, but for me, my rainbow ended here in New York City. And like most of you, most of you who, who started out to, in search of self and to make the most of what you've been given, to push and to look forward and to explore and to experiment, this of course means taking risks. And for some people that's not an acceptable thing. Um, but for me, it's a step along the way. To me, not taking a risk is a risk. So the search, of course, uh, began with a struggle. And this city is where I found my center. It had all the ingredients that makes the wheels turn. And as with most actors, my journey began at square one 
in the theater. Sitting at the end of a long row of chairs, waiting for my audition, a few which I made, many I didn't. But it was here that I learned how important craft was to the work and how good it was to work with a community of actors where importance is placed on craft and the work. That was a huge step forward in, in my early life. And thematically, as time went on, and I was able to go more forward and be able to get into positions where I could control the projects to make and be able to maybe tell my own stories. Thematically, my interest was in stories that were strictly about the country I grew up in. Beneath um, all the patriotic sloganeering, for me, was a gray area where things were more complex. We were given axioms. We were given axioms like it doesn't matter whether you win or lose, but how you play the game. And I found this not to be so. It was about winning. It was all about winning. Winning at any cost. And winning was seemed to somehow be tied to success. Well, for me, success is relative. It can be a double-edged sword. For some, it's the end game, but for me, it's, it's a step along the way. Not to be fully embraced, but maybe to be shadowboxed with. Now, can there be any can there be any other way to enjoy success? Well, I thought it might be old-fashioned, but I thought, you know, putting something back feels right. And money isn't everything, you know. It helps, but it's not everything. In my case, it was creating a nonprofit mechanism for development to help new filmmakers and playwrights to develop their skills who might otherwise not have a chance to do so. And do it in a place um, that's free from urban environment, New York or LA. Put it in a place that's in nature and see what happens when that program coincides with nature. Maybe something might happen. Maybe something surprising, maybe something good. It also could be a horrible. So I took the land that I had purchased in Utah back in the early 60s and, and uh, devoted it to that cause. So all in all, I guess for me it's, it's, really, um, it's really the climb up the mountain, not so much standing at the top because at that point there's nowhere to go. It's the journey and the work. That's what means the most to me. It's the trying. And as T.S. Eliot says, there's only the trying. The rest is not our business. Tonight, I feel very, very fortunate, and I thank you all. The Close-Up from the Film Society of Lincoln Center is produced by Brian Brooks, Nick Kemp, and Michael Odmark, 
Our opening music is by Steelism. You can subscribe to The Close-Up on iTunes and Stitcher. The Film Society of Lincoln Center is a nonprofit arts organization based in New York City supported by individuals just like you. Founded in 1969 to celebrate American and international cinema, the Film Society presents year-round programming recognizing established and emerging filmmakers, supporting important new work, and enhancing awareness, accessibility, and understanding of the moving image. To learn more about what we do and support the Film Society by becoming a member, please visit filmlink.com, F-I-L-M-L-I-N-C.com. The Film Society of Lincoln Center. Film lives here.